Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy New Year to you again. Um, so I had a series planned as far back as, as June uh, 2019. Uh, I had uh, the promo, the PowerPoint, everything set up before Christmas. And as usual, God's got a great habit of just interrupting plans and, and changing that. And uh, it's actually been really difficult to, to prepare because... Joni and I are itching to get to the 26th of January just to share um, our vision uh, for the church. And I just want to say on that, just make a, a special effort to come. It's going to last over three weeks. We feel we need to give that length of time to really unpack what we feel God is saying to us as a church. Um, so if you uh, serve in, in the kids' ministry, um, make sure that you're working out to come to the morning, the evening, um, sort out babysitters um, if you have kids. Um, it, I'll be doing the vision series on the morning uh, and the evening for those, for those three weeks. But I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit interrupted my, my original plans um, with what I wanted to do is give a specific word in season for us as a church going into this year that really lays the foundation before we go into uh, the vision for for the church. And you're feeling under pressure, especially when the year is 2020, isn't it? It's that numerically auspicious date uh, that if you go on social media or look anywhere, everybody's talking about uh, this new decade. And um, I want to ask you a question this morning. Uh, what do you and I need this year, and indeed, what does our world need more than ever right now in the year 2020? And what I want to suggest to you is what I need, what you need, what this church needs, what this community of, of Hull and beyond needs, what our world needs desperately is wisdom, is wisdom. Now, the word wisdom right there and then may not come across as the flashiest of words to commence 2020. When you come to church, you're expecting maybe some kind of big self-help uh, talk. But what I felt over the last couple of weeks is just God stirring in my heart. Just this desire, this longing for my own life, especially as you go into this new season, that what our world needs, what my heart needs is the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God in our times and in our culture. And I define wisdom as mastering life's complexities, really developing the skill of life. If you want a shorthand definition, wisdom is skill in living. Skill in living. In other words, how to do life really, really well in 2020 and Beyond. People have skill in their jobs, they have skill in their hobbies, they have uh, skill in their gift mix from music to sport to business and so on. But what I'm suggesting to you is that God wants to lead us and help us to be skillful just in life, skillful in our relationship to God skillful in our relationship with one another, skillful in our workplaces, learning how to handle all kinds of situations. Maybe you're in a season right now where things are really difficult. How do you have skill to handle that well? 
Maybe you're facing some real poverty, some prosperity, some sickness, some health, some crises, some opportunities. And I wholeheartedly believe that the path to a successful, thriving, flourishing 2020 is and lays in the path of wisdom, the path of wisdom. It definitely doesn't lay in that thinking that I've seen banded around that 2020 is going to be a great year just because it's 2020. Has anyone heard that or listened to that, even said it to one another? Or it's a new decade, or it's the same two numbers repeated, which won't happen for another 100 years. Or have you heard this? It's the year of the double portion, because we're in 2020. And I had to resist this for a sermon series about a 2020 vision. (laughs) This is the year we all get to see really, really clearly. (laughs) And my team said, no, (laughs) that's a bad idea. Everyone's doing it. I think we need God's wisdom more than anything in 2020. I think we need God's wisdom in our country right now. I thought... Nick and Rachel's set this morning was so poignant because you come into a new year saying, let's do this and let's do that. But I don't know about you, but my heart grieves. My heart is grieving for what we see in our country and around the globe right now. And so I find myself driven more to my knees and say, Lord, have mercy on us as a nation, as a people. We need to come back right to our first love. We need to stop living our Christian life based on the latest sermon or the latest tweet or the latest exciting thing and just say, what does it mean for me and me alone to get on my knees and to please the Lord? And to put first things first to say, look, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to my first love. We need God's wisdom because We seem to be careening from one crisis to another, don't we? We have a moral crisis, we have an environmental crisis, we have a pace of life crisis, we have a margin crisis, we have an emotional health crisis, we have an identity crisis. We need the wisdom of God. Look how wisdom is personified in the book of Proverbs and how powerful it is. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. I could have pulled out so many verses, of course, in the book of Proverbs, but this just shows the power of wisdom, the skill of living. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes a stand beside the gate leading into the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud, to you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all humankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have a trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you desire can compare with her. Wow. Nothing you desire in 2020 can compare with the pursuit of wisdom. That's essentially what is being said here in that passage. Now, the Bible has a genre of literature called wisdom literature. 
And wisdom literature is really about the very intense, personal, practical aspects of how do we do life and do it really well. What do you do with your marriage? What do you do with your relationships, your dating relationships, your friendships, your finances, your work, your kids, your diet, your enemies, your sexuality? What do you do with the stuff in life that's really, really practical, like the how-to of Christianity? And in the Old Testament, this kind of wisdom literature would be found in the book of Job, in uh, Song of Songs, of Ecclesiastes, of Proverbs. This is called wisdom literature, and there's far less wisdom literature in the New Testament, but one book, which is kind of like a parallel book to many of those books, is the book of James. The book of James gives incredible wisdom for life. If you just become a Christian amongst us, read the book of James, and you'll see how to do this Christian life and do it well. And I felt drawn to these few verses, this text in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. And it says this, Now listen you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, while you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead you ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Now, the context here is primarily referring to business people. And essentially, is a clear echo of a verse in Proverbs 27 that says this, verse 1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And... As I read this, and I felt like the Lord just you know, gets that highlighter pen as he does as you read the Bible. Like, this is so countercultural to what we're hearing right now. And I'm like, this is not the most popular first week talk in 2020. Do not boast about tomorrow. Don't be making grand plans about tomorrow and next week and the next few months and the next year and the next 10 years. You do not know what a day may bring. And the context is primarily to, uh, as I say, to business people, to traders, to, to merchants. But it, of course, has wider implication and application for every single one of us. Now, it's really tempting, isn't it, at the beginning of a year to, especially uh, a decade, to make plans. And this isn't a text crushing all you planners out there. Who's a planner out there? Who's like type one on the Enneagram? This isn't like, let's crush you here today. <laughs> and that diary that you got given in your stocking, let's just throw it out and let's not make any plans. You know, the Bible is full of uh, emphasis on organization, on making plans, on vision. Hence why we're going to be doing a three-week series on vision and laying out our plans but I think this is really timely and foundational to say before we launch into that, is that unless the Lord is in the plans, we ain't doing it. And so what this passage here, these few verses is saying, is unless Jesus Christ is at the very center of our plans, it really is a waste of time as opposed to invested time. A waste of time as opposed to invested time. And we will try things in faith and we will get it wrong and we will be the first ones to hold up hands and say, do you know what? We missed God on that, but we learned some stuff on the journey. 
But as the psalmist said, unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to instruct us is the way of flourishing and life in God is the way of wisdom. So a really foundational thought is this, a real smart move, a real prudent move, a real wise move is to place God afresh this year, bang in the center of your life. It may not sound like a huge revelation, but through the stresses of life and the complexity of life, it's so easy just to place God down the list of our priorities, of the periphery of our lives. What we do as a church, we don't want to say this, we don't want to give great messages and say, look, by the way, don't overlook your soul, make sure to include your spiritual life just as an aside. And we want to say, look, at the center of our hearts and our minds and our routines and our plans and our relationships and our finances and our work, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is at the center. And so what James is essentially saying this, church, don't live your life like an atheist whilst attending church. And that's a real challenge to us in the Christian church in the Western world, is that we can attend church, we can do all the right things, but actually, apart from that, we're not living a vibrant, heartfelt life of intimacy with God and of our calling and our destiny and faith. We don't want our language and our goal setting and our planning to be exactly the same as atheists and just say, look, God, could you bless our plans? Because everyone else is just doing life and laying out their plans as it is and God doesn't factor into it at all. Just predict the future, best estimation, organizational alignment, goal setting, march forward. James is saying this, it would be far better Right now, week one of 2020, if you realize these things only happen if the Lord wills it. Have great faith in the sovereignty of God. Not in the, the, the level of my faith, but I have faith in a great God and his sovereignty and what he can do. So the wise person in 2020 has the humility to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. And James breaks this down into three simple, I want to give you three simple reasons why we shouldn't forge on in arrogance and pride and do our own thing this year. First of all, life is uncertain. Point number one, life is uncertain. If like me, you were, if you've heard about this, you're probably deeply saddened to hear the news of uh, the death of a worship leader of a big church in the States and the death of the worship leader's two-year-old daughter and the tragedy of this event was made public on the world's media because the parents and the church um, prayed and believed for God's resurrection power to come on the little girl. And she was in the morgue for about, I think, six days, and it reached all the news outlets, you know, uh, Daily Mail um, is all over the place. Um, they were believing for God to raise her. Uh, eventually, sadly, she, uh, they said... No, she's not coming back to life and um, had a memorial service. And I'm not here to publicly comment on the wisdom of that process, but just to simply grieve with the parents to pray for them and affirm in them that, yes, life is just uncertain. 
How can we say tomorrow or next week we will do this or that when we know, as this passage says, that life just throws things at us. It just throws curveballs. Life is just complicated. We don't have all the answers. Life is uncertain. To those who say, like in this text, tomorrow or this week or next year we will do this or that, James responds with, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. So what James is saying is this, is that yes, plan, yes, have vision, yes, have goals. Yes, dream, but write them in pencil. Write them in pencil, because you do not know what life will bring. The reality is most of us really do suffer, don't we, with worry, with anxiety about the future. And because we worry, we tend to take surrogate control of our lives, and this actually just masks the worry and makes things worse. This year, we need to really heed the wisdom of Jesus from Matthew chapter 6, where he says this, verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not not much more valuable than they. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first. This year, don't preoccupy your mind and your heart and your emotions and your energy with worrying, but do this. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things we're worried about will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When I was a kid, actually including this Christmas when my mother gave me this piece of advice, she'd always say this, they say this and it's an alternate translation to verse 34. She would always say, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I used to think, what on earth are you talking about? kind of like grammatically weird jumble of words. And what are you actually saying to me, mother? Of course, what she was trying to say this is, John, stop getting anxious about tomorrow. Look at today, because today has enough bother, has enough trouble for us. And if you live in tomorrow's anticipation of trouble, it just overloads your plate, shrinks your margin, doubles your trouble, and increases anxiety. It has a cyclical effect. My mom always says, it's great wisdom. We're going to this new season for us. I think this is great wisdom for us as a church. We're just going to take each day as it comes. We're just going to take each day as it comes. We don't know what tomorrow will hold, but we want to include God in everything that we do today. Lamentations 3 says this, I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, they never fail. They're new every morning. 
every morning. You don't need to live on nostalgia of the past. You don't need to anticipate tomorrow. You just need to live in the present provision of God. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. He doesn't just give you the full pie. He gives you a portion of the pie. He said, that's your portion for today. It is your daily bread. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. We live in an emerging generation where people just want everything now. They're not willing to wait. They're not willing to go through you know, seasons of preparation. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I love this in Ecclesiastes 11. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth, whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plan. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Sow your seed in the morning and at evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And it was stop waiting for the right set of circumstances. Stop waiting for the right environment. Be faithful today. Place God at the center today. Do what is right today. Give yourself each day, not speculating whether it will work or not, whether God will do this for me or not, whether I'll meet the one or not, whether God will save that person that's in our family, whether God will heal that person or bless them. Just be faithful today. Just be a steward of your moments today. Just do the right thing because it's the right thing. Here's the problem with New Year's resolutions and goal setting is that people put their faith in the goal and when we fail, which we always do, we just give up. Who started this year with a new regime of fitness or diet or something or say, I'm going to do this or that? None of you, okay. <laughs> but it could be, hey, this year I'm going to tell more people about Jesus. This year I'm going to up my giving. This year I'm going to read my Bible every single day. This year I'm going to pray every single day. And what we do is that we aim for that, and then it comes to February, March, and we have a bad week, and then we just go, do you know what? I'm useless, forget it. <laughs> Don't focus on the goal. Focus on the system and the habit each day, and it's amazing where you'll end up in five years' time. Just focus on each day, and you'll have good days and bad days, and life is uncertain. But do that and keep doing that, and it's amazing where you'll end up in five years' time. You know, my testimony of, um, I was reminded of this just over Christmas, is that I came to Christ 30 years ago, um, which is a significant number in terms of preparation. 30 years ago, um, Christmas last month. Not once in my life I ever said, I would like to be a senior pastor of a church. Not once. I just want to be, from as long as I remember, I just want to be like Jesus and I want to tell people about Jesus. That's all I want to do. And if you're just faithful and steward those simple instructions, you're just obedient to the call of God in your life, you don't know where it will end up. But you just need to take hold of your moments, 
by design, not by default, every single day, look after your Monday and your Tuesday and your Wednesday, do the right thing, have integrity, steward your life well, create margin, and it will be amazing where God will take you in five years' time. You'll just wake up in five years and go, what on earth happened? It's like a speedboat. If you get a speedboat and it's, it's there on, on the side and, and, the, and the rope's untangling, but the boat's not going anywhere and eventually the rope just stops untangling and the boat goes off. Say that about the Chinese bamboo tree. It's, you put the seed to grow it in the ground, but it actually doesn't grow. It grows really tall till the fifth year. But for like, before that, for years, it does nothing. And you're just putting seed in the ground, watering the soul of your life by getting the Bible in a one-year app and just reading it faithfully and just looking at your accounts every month and just assessing it, saying, Lord, how much can we give and what do we need to do to save? And let's just be prudent and wise with our money. And let's look at my friendships and circle friendships. It's bad company corrupting good character. What is going on in my world? I look at my margin. I've got no time for play or creativity. So I need to adjust that. I need to keep my Sabbath the Sabbath. I need to have a day off where I do nothing. And people say, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I'm like, do you think Jesus could have come up with that excuse? I'm just thinking the Son of God could have said to someone, I'm too busy to pray, and yet every single day he prayed. He retreated in order to advance. Secondly, life is brief. It says not only is life uncertain, but life is brief. In response to what is your life, it's a huge question, what is your life? In verse 14 it says this, your life is like a mist. Your life is like a mist. And I was trying to think, what is the best example of that? Because when we think of a mist, we think of an early morning mist that may take a while just to kind of dissipate. But it's actually more like the vapor. Have you seen the e-cigarettes vapor? Okay. And do my head in, in town, but anyway... (laughs) And it's just there and then it's gone. Just there and it's gone. And it's, what it's saying is like, life's not like smoke, it's, it's like a mist. It's like a vapor, that's the best definition of it. And because of this, because of this, we need to understand and take thought for larger matters, for weightier matters, for eternal matters. Verse 17, for anyone who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. It's all connected in those few verses. James isn't pulling any punches here. We're here in 2020. That's a good start. We don't know what the year will bring. We don't know how long we've got in our life. And what he's saying is that your life is just like that vapor. It's like a mist. It's just there one minute, gone the next. Boom. Just gone. Therefore, invest your life in weightier things. You haven't got time to do insignificant things when God has graced you with purpose and the call. And it's just about doing the basic things. Again, every single day, we, my family and I were in, um, a couple of days ago, we were in uh, Waterstones in Scarborough. And I saw this young lad uh, there, and he was looking in the theology section in Waterstones, and he picked out the C.S. Lewis book. And so, what do you do? Do you just pretend I didn't see that and move on to the, you know, the gardening section? Or do you pursue that? So I just followed him outside. I said, excuse me, I had his earphones in. I said, I noticed you were looking at C.S. Lewis book. Do you want me to buy the book for you? 
And he said, he's like taking a bath. I said, oh, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. I said, okay, is there any reason why you're looking at C.S. Lewis? Because that's pretty bizarre for an 18-year-old lad in Waterstones to be looking at a C.S. Lewis book called The Problem of Pain. And he just said, no, I'm actually, he said, I'm actually a Christian um, and I'm just really interested in there's some good things about C.S. Lewis. And that was, I encouraged him and that was the end of the conversation. And I say that because that, you know, I know some of you are thinking, you know, his leg was going to grow and three inches and his whole, you know, he was going to come to Christ and his whole street was going to come to Christ. I just say that is because don't watch the wind, don't try and work out what's going to happen, just do what's right in front of you. That's the right thing to do. Not to walk away and pretend I didn't see that. The right thing was to say, do you want me to buy that book for you? Whole vineyard, let's get on with it. The last few months of last year, we saw people come into faith most weeks. We saw incredible numbers of people who don't know Christ come to our Christmas stuff. It was amazing. We need to invest in what's what matters to the Lord. We need to invest in intimacy with Christ, in prayer and fasting, in holiness, in witnessing, in attending church, in sharing the gospel, in seeing the kingdom advance, of loving our spouses, of raising our kids as world changers, of being generous in our time and money, looking after the orphan and the widow, discipling the emerging generation, building a large 21st century church in Hull that will impact generations and leave a legacy to plant churches, send missionaries around the world, bring justice and restoration to the poor. That's weighty. That is worthy of our time. That is worthy of our money. That is worthy of our investment and focus. Now, I don't know about you, the older I get, the quicker life becomes. Has anyone noticed that? Life was, I mean, it's crazy. When I was like 11, 13, 16, I couldn't wait to get older. If only I could get older and I could do what I want. And now it's just like, will life stop, please, and reverse? Life moves faster, and I'm really finding that a lot at the moment. And you want to slow it down, and we want to slow life down, but it's going too fast because life is like a mist. Steward your moments, then your days and your weeks will look after themselves. And don't get into the, this thinking like, you know, I'm like David, just tending my sheep right now because in five years I'm going to be king. No, that's just like a nice phrase from, from Twitter. Don't focus on that. If God's given you a place of influence and a field to manage and a family to love and bills to pay, just do it and do it well. And don't worry about tomorrow. Life is just a series of callings because life is uncertain and therefore we need to focus on the important things. And finally, therefore, this is my conclusion because of those two things that life is uncertain and life is brief therefore life should be urgent life should be urgent the we must not let the unimportant things crowd out the important things don't let the unimportant things crowd out the important things in 2020 live in that sense of urgency And start to think, take January out in prayer and say, because he talks about, doesn't it, in that verse 17, whoever knows what they ought to do and doesn't do it sin. So what is the call of God on your life? What is it that God's asking you to do? Because it would be different to the person next to you this morning. What is God 
called you and only you to do. This is a year not just to kind of leave our excuses behind and say, look, I'm going to get back to doing what I know I'm being called to do. Life is urgent. We should be making kingdom things a priority. And next week, I want to take this and get really practical and give you some strategies how to have a flourishing 2020. But when we think and grasp what is urgent and what is important, what motivates us about how we use our time this year, we need to ask some questions, some self-reflection. Is screen time really, really important? Is screen time kingdom? Is it weighty? Is that something, if our life is brief and uncertain, should we spend a number of hours each day looking at a screen? That's just some self-reflection. That's not about being religious and, and holy than thou. We all love our box sets. Who loves box sets here? My, my wife and I, we watch box sets, okay? So have recreation, have fun, but we should use our time wisely. What about the relationships we have or our rhythms and prayer and the Bible of getting involved in things in church, of serving our community, of witnessing in our community to the people around us. This year, I want to encourage you just to grasp that simple wisdom, start to live a wise life and just say, look, my time is brief, my time is uncertain, therefore, I'm going to start investing in some urgent things, some important things, some kingdom things, and that's where I'm going to place my vision and focus this year. So let's just pray into that. Why do you stand? And um, Joni, if you could come up, please.